Hey everybody, Yislike here. Thanks for tuning in today. Before we start the episode, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by A Thousand Dreams, a developing adult liberal arts curriculum that celebrates transgression in most of its forms. Currently, the curriculum is comprised of a daily blog, four weekly podcasts, weekly multimedia lectures, a book vlog, lots of extra content on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and a Patreon that includes exclusive content and early access to much of our regular content. You can access all of our content, including a link to our Patreon, from our central hub at a thousanddreams.org. Please send comments and questions about the curriculum to a thousanddreams.org at gmail.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to Meet the Rockadopolis. We are Yes Like and Lance Rockadopolis. And today's episode is part two of our discussion of edge play. So let's have at it. So polyandry is actually an edge for me. Both times we've tried it, it definitely pushed me psychologically. It was stressful worrying about how much time I had for Lance and the polyandry prospect. That was the biggest stress, but I'm not going to stop trying. Now I just understand that there is a significant learning curve and I'm willing to hike up it. Put the time in, huh? Yeah. It's more being able to come up with strategies for dealing with it that I don't currently know or have or understand. Drawing blood is also an edge for me. I think Lance is okay with it. Are you, Lance? Yeah, for me, that's not an edge at all. I'm actually looking forward to the time that you leave me all bloodied and, um, <laughs> you know, ground beef, <laughs> look, making make my butt look like <laughs> ground beef. Yeah, I will admit that knives and being cut freak me out. I think that is rooted in my vanity and not <laughs> wanting to have scars. I just think also that that would require a level of preparation far greater than candle play. Yeah, I'm just not ready yet, at least not with a knife or a needle. And I'm not quite proficient enough with impact tools to be able to hit both hard enough and precisely enough to draw blood with a single tail without the whip going wild. That said, as you might recall, and remember, every time you look at your back, he does have a scar from me drawing blood. There was a welt from the single tail that had a small piece of it that was very, very close to beating out droplets of blood. And I made him lie down and I just used my fingernail to open it up 
Yeah, you just kept scraping away at it and just causing, but basically rubbing salt into the wound. <laughs> and so it did bleed a little bit, and it did leave a scar that's been there for almost four years. So that was cool. And then there are also edges connected to being fully my authentic self. Being authentic can sometimes feel and actually be risky, especially for the likes of me. But but I know from lots of experience that the rewards of being authentic can be immeasurably great. I think if I ever get a tattoo quoted on me, it's going to be fortune favors the bold. So now we're going to talk about cultural edge play. Cultural edge play is a term I use for bringing into kinky settings various practices and events and atrocities and ordeals from history and from a wide variety of cultures. I realize that this involves some cultural appropriation, as does pretty much every single thing that we have in, in any culture. Culture develops through cultural exchange. And a lot of cultural edge play is really dark and gross, as the Twitter SJWs like to say. Race play per se has no appeal to me at all. It feels really stupid to me, like really basic and dumb. And um, it's also literally nauseating. I'm never going to say the N-word in any context or use words like massa or big house in play. Plantation slave culture is not sexy at all to me. Jim Crow culture, past and current, nope. Hmm. Those are hard limits, and they will remain hard limits. Yeah, what were you going to say? This is just my curiosity. How is Jim Crow appropriate now, currently? Well, that's a good question, but that is outside the subject matter boundaries of this podcast, but I will shoot you a few links. Jim Crow is very current today. Wow, okay. Jim Crow, Jim Crow is, is very much still with us today. But there are certain practices that we associate with slavery, including colonialist chattel slavery, that are interesting to me, and I'm beginning to explore them a bit more. So getting the jam box, we've got one, a rubber one so far, and, and the real, more authentic one from South Africa is coming for Christmas. Getting the jam box is very, very exciting to me. Maybe I'm excited about it because it's not from my culture, but it's still very, very transgressive. And we will do at least one episode on the Jambok when we get the one from South Africa. I am very, very hyped for that. Um, there's going to be so much. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, Nazi play, 1950s household even, because bottom line, they are too horrible and too recent for me to tolerate. Really? What about um, 1950s household with a role reversal with me as the dutiful wife supporting my husband, you? 
It's tempting, but I much prefer reverse gender Victorian household play and also Mormon polygamous household play. Mm-hmm. In fact, my overarching life life goal these days is to eventually live a close approximation to both of those types of households, minus the prudery and the religion. So I might play sexually exploitive college professor, but I'm never going to play Indian boarding school. Hmm. I might play Downton Abbey, but I'm never going to play middle class versus white trash. There's a kind of hypocrisy in all of this, of course, I realize that, but we can't necessarily control what does and doesn't turn us on. I mean, it's all fully consensual and not achieved through social, socioeconomic, or any other kind of coercion. I guess the bottom line is that the cultural practices I like to use for kink need to be at a certain distance from me historically and geographically. Yeah, that's interesting that um, you mentioned Nazis. For me, Nazis are sexy from a total power perspective, as are the uniforms. And so I'm kind of into the kinds of interrogation scenes that um, are seen in certain pornography that does work for me. That's interesting because you do have a strong family connection to the Nazis, not that you had family members who were Nazis, but because your parents and grandparents lived in Nazi-occupied Poland. Right. My mom was a baby during the Nazi occupation of Poland. She is more familiar with the Soviet occupation of Poland and strongly rejects communism and socialism because of that. And liberalism. It's all the same to her. Also, because of the trauma that my grandparents suffered by the Nazis, they never not once brought it up. My sister actually was doing a project trying to define our family tree. So she wanted to find out more about my grandmother's experience working in a concentration camp. She just flat out refused to talk about it. Yeah, that's tough. That would be way too close for me, I think. I had to grow up listening to my grandfather use the N-word all the time. And I know that's why I will never be able to stomach engaging in any kind of race play at any level. But but listeners, remember when we talked about that presenter C at Domcon LA and how he told us when he saw the Abu Ghraib pics, he immediately wanted to role play that whole atrocity. That <laughs> Yeah, that that was uh, that was incredible to hear, especially based on what we observed as his background. And it was in a room full of a good hundred people. You know, he wasn't hiding anything. It was fascinating to me. And yeah, he didn't say anything about being from the Middle East originally, but based on his accent, I would bet that he's at least a native Arabic speaker. And the other thing is that Abu Ghraib happened within the last 20 years, well within living memory. And so the thing that the two of you seem to have in common 
is that you're both subs. So maybe tolerances for cultural play may be different between doms and subs, right? We're the perpetrators, Mm -hmm. you're the victims. Of course, a sample size of two is hardly scientific, (laughs) but it would be very, very fun to look into. Yeah, that that goes to all the theory about BDSM being very healing for traumatic experiences. Including intergenerational trauma. You probably have been impacted by your grandparents' experience with the Nazis in some way. Oh, certainly, just in the way that they behaved. (laughs) I mean, or related to the world in general. Certainly, that, that, that... that must have had a huge impact on them. Yeah, and and it was and it trickled down. So our final section in this discussion is on spirituality and edge play. For me, BDSM, and I'll I'll go through the definitions or the acronym: bondage and discipline, DS dominance and submission and SM, sadism and masochism, to me, by definition, that is edge play and profoundly spiritual. There is this drive for submissives and slaves to be continually testing and be tested by your dominant and for the slave to test itself and to continually improve. And that improvement can come in many different forms from providing and improving sexual performance to growing as a person to be a better companion for your owner. There is this continual exertion of energy and pressure that forces the sub to go beyond what he conceives as his or her limits. It is about living and breathing an alternative lifestyle that embraces BDSM to the fullest extent that is very spiritual. It recognizes in an enlightened sense that he or she is not in control of his or her limits or even life and what is happening to that life. It's all about trusting your owner and master to guide you and to be controlled and to be more than comfortable and actually grateful for taking on that responsibility. It really feels like the slave can put down its burdens. That is, the slave does, you know, desires to be in control. Um, so you want to put down that burden and accept what is actually happening and what is real. I guess where spirituality of BDSM transgresses and butts up against the spiritual and is edgy is recognizing that people are so invested in their religious views and beliefs, and to state that BDSM, something that is so carnal and sex-based, can be very insulting to some people. But that's really not focusing on the individual practitioners of BDSM. That's focusing on the broader audience of BDSM, you know, the daily uh, consumers of BDSM products and pornography, and also the religious right. So let me talk about spirituality and edge plays. From my perspective, 
both the things that I mentioned earlier, the breath play and the Santa Monica Boulevard walk were so enlightening and very spiritual for me. In both instances, I felt that there was a breakthrough in my development as a human being. The breakthrough that I experienced with the breath play early on in our relationship was an intense increase in trust in my master and owner over my physical well-being. What I got out of the Santa Monica Boulevard walk was an increased confidence in my ability to obey under the intense social pressure to conform to societal expectations and there being implementing the weapon of shame against me. So I, I felt a little more immune to that kind of pressure. For me, the learning that comes from edge play has always been a spiritual quality, or at least it feels like it. Actually, in my view, learning itself always has a spiritual dimension. And again, there's that feeling of connection to some kind of demonic energy, not necessarily an evil demon, but maybe some kind of powerful elemental force or pole of some kind, like maybe a force of nature like a tornado or a hurricane or a big wildfire. Also, while we haven't ourselves tried them, kink or BDSM-based ordeal rituals are definitely a spiritual form of edge play. Kink and BDSM-based ordeal rituals can be seen as both a spiritual and a cultural form of edge play. Traditionally, ordeal rituals were a so-called primitive way of deciding whether someone did or did not commit a crime by invoking the presence of a spiritual force or deity to participate in torturing the accused. For example, the torture during the Spanish Inquisition and witch trials were ordeals of that type. And of course, ordeals have also been used sometimes as forms of initiation, not just by frat boys, but also for initiations into different religious organizations and for raising one's spiritual status within those organizations. And ordeals are also used today by some neo-pagans and in BDSM as a very serious form of play for the purposes of catharsis, for rites of passage, various forms of body modification and hook suspension are examples of those kinds of ordeals. And on FetLife, I've also seen a few sadists offering ritual ordeal experiences though I haven't looked into them much further. Yeah, I would say that your vetting process was certainly an ordeal. You put me through various tasks, including answering the 36 New York Times questions. You also required me to be more enlightened, to be in touch with and more deeply invested in our relationship. You even had me burn my own foot as a test of my obedience, and I did that with a heated spoon. Yeah, in that experience, I was more than slightly annoyed and slightly mad at you. I felt that it was frivolous, but ultimately that 
test did feel like a rite of passage. It was what you intended it to be, a test of your power over me and my willingness to obey. So do you think that more ordeals like that will deepen your submission further? Mm, Not really, not given the depth of our relationship. That leads me to believe that I would and could do anything that you've ordered. Sometimes there is a hesitation stemming from a lack of belief in my own abilities that could be seen like I am objecting to something that you've ordered, but that's really just a lack of confidence in myself. Well, now I'm thinking about the possibility of designing different focused ordeals for specific things that I want you to do or to change or to improve on. Maybe kind of like acquiring Boy Scout badges. Actually, isn't that kind of a leather thing already? It is. Have you seen the badges? Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be exactly like that, but um, that's kind of making me excited in a lot of ways. Uh, My head is just spinning with ideas right now. Yeah, I can earn certain obedience patches and certain levels of obedience patches. (laughs) Exactly. But those patches could mean like real life privileges, but also like real life tasks and roles. Oh my God, the possibilities are endless. So anyway, that is it for our discussion of edge play. Until next time, have a great week.